0: Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you, eat of the fruit of, when you eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, you will be happy and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for so shall a man who fears the Lord be blessed. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life indeed may you see your children's children peace be upon israel all right thanks michael i love having people read every week because this is the emphasis we want to have during this time while i'm up here being a tour guide walking you through scripture i encourage you You're as much a part of this time as I am, and the Spirit of God wants to speak to you through the power and the truth of his word. So we'll have verses up here, but I encourage you, you know, use your own physical Bible. If you've got one on your phone, feel free to use that. Make notes. Um, And part of what we're going to be talking about today is how does God want you to take the truth that is spoken today and carry it on to someone else, further into your community and to others. Jesus, thank you so much for this, um, for your word, just period, God. I I thank you that we can be in this time when um, truth is at a premium um, because most people are trying to figure out what the heck that even is. And we've got your word that we can go to, that we can trust, um, that we can follow and know that we can find peace within your word, Jesus. So I just pray that this time would just be just an incredible time of us being able to humbly be under your word to listen to you Um, that we'd all come away with something uh, that would grow us closer to you and to be more like you, Jesus. Um, Would you do this for us? And we just thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you were in a literature class in high school, maybe college, you may have read an excerpt from a book called The Things They Carry by Tim O'Brien. If you didn't have the privilege of being able to read that incredible work. It was written by a a man who walked through the Vietnam War and he came away carrying many things from that conflict. And one of the ways he worked through that was by writing a, a fiction story. And how he crafted it was absolutely incredible. He would describe the things that soldiers would carry into combat in Vietnam. Like it could be anything from their weaponry to um, the amount of rations that they were carrying. Even for one of the characters he created, it was a love letter that he carried or a picture of his girlfriend. And it it was actually kind of a thing that tortured him because he was always wondering, like, is she still being faithful to me? And it, it goes further into that as he starts going from the things they carried physically to the things they were carrying within their soul. Even to the point where as he's kind of tortured about this girl at home and getting distracted by that, one of his men gets shot. And what happens is he wears that guilt. He's like, if I wouldn't have been distracted, if I wouldn't have been thinking about that girl, maybe I could have saved him. And there's this quote that comes out of this this narrative. It says, he tried not to cry. With his entrenching tool which weighed five pounds, he began digging a hole in the earth. Lavender, the man, was now dead. And this was something he would have to carry like a stone in his stomach for the rest of the war. What's so powerful about this story is it doesn't take much for us to begin connecting with the things that we carry in our life. Trauma, regrets, sin and brokenness, shame, bitterness, hatred, annoyance, depression, the world, our calendar, wrong expectations. I mean, you can go over so many things, things of light weight for our souls, things of huge weight for our souls. But it's not just that. There's other things that we can carry as well. Even if you look at Galatians 5.22, you look at the fruits of the spirit, it's a different kind of a weight that you carry. Think about it. The weight of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. In fact, we're in the middle of the Psalms right now. And I've described Psalms as poetic songs. They're prayers that God's people are giving. And actually, when you look at all the Psalms, they are transferring the weight of our soul and giving them to God is what you're doing. If you look at Psalm 62.8, it says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge for us. Selah. So what we're looking at today in this beautiful psalm is how we are called to carry the blessing. We are called to carry the blessing because, first of all, God was the one who carried blessing to us through Jesus Christ. He carried blessing to us. Then we take that and we carry blessing to our family, and then we extend the blessing beyond to the whole earth. So let's jump into this. First of all, looking at how God carries the blessing to us. So in the first verse, Psalm 128, it says, blessed is everyone, everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. This first verse alone could be a sermon on itself, tracing this throughout all of scripture. I want to start first as we look at this by looking at blessing and defining that a little bit. Tony Merida had this to say about it. The writer begins with the word happy or blessed, denoting a sense of satisfaction and fullness. And when you heard Michael reading it, you'll look at other translations. We'll take that word blessing and replace it with the word happy because there is that sense of it. But it's deeper than just like a shallow feeling. It's this idea of a sense of satisfaction and fullness. Think about when you've even heard people like saying "bless you" or maybe beyond a sneeze or something like that. But it, but even then, when someone blesses you or you bless someone else, what are you doing? You're wishing good upon them. You're wishing satisfaction upon them. You're wishing fullness upon them. Fullness of life. And isn't this a bold statement? I mean, if you grew up in the church like I did, there was almost, um, especially on a, kind of the more conservative side, there's this fear that we might misuse this that we might think like, man, life is hard and we've been promised suffering, so be careful about being happy because maybe that's just a shallow, fake feeling. But I I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think that we actually can experience blessing and happiness in Christ in spite of all the things that we walk through. And so as we jump into the rest of this psalm, we're gonna kind of test this bold statement and about what it looks like to... Uh, receive this blessing, to trust in this promise that is given to us. And it first starts off with a condition. You'll see this throughout all of scripture. There's usually a promise, or a blessing, but there's, there's usually always a condition with it, because God is a relational God. He didn't make us into robots. He didn't make us into little minions that he just pushes around a little world board map or something like that. He actually desires to have relationship with us. And for it to be real, we have to be part of that relationship. And we see it here. Those It says, blessed is everyone who, what? Fears the Lord who walks in his way. So we got to talk about fearing the Lord. Or another way to put it is, is that, by the fear of the Lord, by that right relationship with God, Jesus carried the ultimate blessing to us. So when we see fear of the Lord, that can often be twisted in different ways and viewed in a very one-dimensional dimension, way. It can be fear in the sense of like, oh man, like God's looming over me and he's this judgmental, distant God Distant God who doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Or sometimes we can just skip over the idea of fear of the Lord, like, yeah, sure, cool. Maybe that's just like awe, we'll just leave it there. Maybe like uh, reverence, We'll, we'll leave it at that, you know, cool. I'll have reverence for God and we'll move from there. But to help understand just a little bit is, one, the fear of the Lord is talked about both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Psalms in particular highlight this. I'd encourage you, do a word search of the fear of the Lord or fear and Lord, put that into your search, and look how much it comes up in the Psalms. It's beautiful. And it actually gives you a fuller appreciation for what the fear of the Lord is. Let's just look at three references. This is three of many. Psalm 85, nine, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Psalm 103, 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Psalm 103 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. This is why a right relationship is one where God is feared and if you think about it, usually the things that we fear, the things that we're most concerned about are the things we center our life around. And so in fearing the Lord, we don't fear other things. When we fear the Lord, we see him as the highest thing in our life. If you don't have a good study Bible, I'd encourage you to get one. In in the notes of one of mine, the ESV study Bible, it says, fear in response to a manifestation of God's presence involves both reverent awe and healthy fear of God's displeasure and Discipline, And like we saw in these previous psalms, there's all these things associated with the fear of the Lord, like his steadfast love, like his compassion. We often separate these things, but look at how they're all integrated together into a deep relationship of us with our Lord. God is the center of our life, and our greatest relationship with him is when we fear him properly. But it is not a horror fear, like you would see in a horror film, but rather it is a holy fear. It's times when we see our sin and know the displeasure that it causes God, that God hates sin, and that he took sin upon himself through Jesus Christ and died for us. It is a fear of how big, how mighty, how great he is. A couple sermons ago, I described this moment where I was in an airplane just cresting over Denali, and I was trying to describe like the emotion that was coming out of that, and I realized it was fear. It was this realization of like, this is 20,000 feet up in the air, like you can kind of ignore that when you're in an airplane, not when you're right next to a mountain that like drops on the other side and then you're like, holy cow, this is amazing. This is what awe is like. There's a fear of not disappointing the one who loves us. We fear displeasuring him because we understand that God is not an absent God. He's one who loves us so much. And this is where he carries, where the carrying of the blessing comes into play with the fear of the Lord. Is we fear displeasuring him when we understand the amount of love he gave us at the cross. That he took the weight of the cross. Think think about what we read in that Vietnam story. How people were carrying all these weights. And think about even the physical weight of the cross that Jesus carried upon his back after getting whipped and then when he's on the cross, when he's under the full soul and spiritual weight of the sin of humanity and God puts his wrath upon him, that is that combination of coming before Jesus, understanding, wow, being in awe of what he did, being awe of, the, of what God does against sin, that he doesn't want sin and corruption in this world, fear is a good thing. 1 Peter 2.22-25 through 25 puts it this way, about Jesus going to the cross. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. See, Jesus carried the weight of our brokenness, and he took the weight of all the fears of this life. Why? So that we could then be given the weight of blessing through faith in him. We've been given peace with God. Jesus carried the cross so that we could be free of our burdens. It's an exchange of weights that happened. If you uh, look at the Gospels, there's this moment where Jesus talks about this kind of weight, where he says that, hey, you know, the burden that I give you, yeah, it's a burden, but it's so much lighter than the burden of this world. So in Jesus, we're blessed in every way at the cross because he exchanges that burden of sin for the burden of a blessing of a right relationship with him. And so we see the next part of this, not only just this right relationship, this fear of the Lord, but also this walking in his ways. And we see this in the gospel. When we put our faith in Jesus, it starts there. It starts with trusting him. It starts with the heart posture. It starts with the heart change, and then actions result. Our actions don't make a right relationship with God. It's made clear throughout all of scripture that you can do all sorts of good things and be far from God. But when you are close to God, then your actions, like we read in the previous psalm, they actually have value. They actually mean something. And so the same thing here. And so as we journey through this life, as we've seen this whole grand metaphor throughout the Song of Ascents, as we journey through this life, we journey through it, carrying the blessing. Look at 1 Peter 2.21, from that same passage we just read from. Right before it describes Jesus going to the cross, it says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that he, you might follow in his steps. So, Get this, Jesus comes to the cross. He dies, he rises again. He's given us the blessing of a right relationship with him. He carried the blessing to us when he went to the cross. For why? So we'd follow in his steps and carry the blessing outward into our family, into our nation, and beyond. Let Jesus carry the burdens of the world so you can carry the blessing to transform the world. And that's the application for this first part. Think about it. How many times do we get downcast by all the problems we face, the mountains that we have to climb in life, the issues at work, the issues within our family? And sometimes we as followers of Jesus walk around like we're cursed rather than the fact that we're blessed. You see, carrying the blessing doesn't mean that you're oblivious to the reality that life is tough. Rather, it's how you get through life. It's how you journey through as you realize Jesus has blessed me. He's changed my heart through the power of the gospel and I'm able to walk through this knowing this promise is true, that I am blessed no matter what happens. We have used Job throughout this whole story, this character in the Bible who lost everything. His kids died. He lost all his wealth. His wife was even saying, just give up on God and die. His body was a wreck health-wise and even his closer friends were judging him because of what was going on. And what made it right in his life? Was it that just God restored everything right away? No, it's that God visited him. God spoke with him, and he came to this place of right fear and awe before God, reestablishing his relationship with him. Carrying the blessing doesn't mean you won't face trials, but you'll be able to walk through them. And so if you're here, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have the blessing of a right relationship, The weight of the world is on your shoulders, and you will have to wear that on your own. But in Jesus, he's able to take that and give you the weight of the blessing, his blessing of a right relationship with God. So let's look at the next couple of verses. So Jesus carried the blessing to us, and as you look in the Old Testament, when this psalm was written, any time Israel had success, It was the Lord's presence. It was him carrying the blessing to them. So now we're going to look at how we carry the blessing to others. Starting in verse 2. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So what this psalm says, is doing in these first couple of verses, is it's taking a look at the family unit. So there's a physical aspect to this and there's a spiritual aspect. No matter what, when you just look at human society in general, what's the building block? It is the family. You have to have a man and a woman come together and make kids in order for life to keep going as humans. That's part of it, so there's a a very real Physical aspect to this and following the Lord and, and, the, and the promise of a blessing here, but it's more than just a specific blessing. Like how many? Like the, if you produce a whole bunch of kids, that you're like way more blessed than everyone else. That's not what it's getting at. What it's getting at is the blessedness of the family unit in general. First, looking at the man, then the wife, and then looking at the kids. And just like I prayed over the Coopers recently, you might not have kids. You might not even have the ability to have kids. Does that mean you're not blessed? No, that's not what this passage is saying. Or maybe having kids is a daunting idea for you. When you step back and you look at how Jesus even looked at family, there's a deeper aspect to this. Matthew 12, 48 through 50. This is what Jesus says. It says, Um, But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So as we go through this section, as we talk through it, we're family here. We're family as a church. We, We own each other. We own not only our discipleship in Jesus, but the discipleship of others. And we think about it in generations as well. There are some people who are babies in the faith who need to be discipled, who need to be nurtured and grown up just as much as our physical children do. They're both radically important for what it means to be the church. So my encouragement for you is if you don't have kids or you're not able to, See the bigger picture. Don't tune out during this part. So where do we start first? First of all, we start with um, a man and his role within the household. In verse 2, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. You can't read this verse without looking back at Genesis, right at the beginning. And you'll see that when man fell, they rebelled against God. One of the curses that came out was about labor, That as farmers, they were going to farm the land, and it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be difficult. And yet, what does God do? God enables there to be fruit that can still come out of the ground. He takes the curse that sin brought, and he's able to turn it around for something good. And so we see here, this is also coming off of Psalm 127, where in talking about the fruit of labor, We also see this in Psalm 127 where it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Those are the first two verses of Psalm 27. What's it getting at? That labor can't be used for something valuable. It's not just something that can be in vain. And so then we also see at the very end kind of a general blessing. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. What I love about this passage is it's setting up a a line of influence within the family, but I also believe within the church. We just finished up our men's event. And one of the things that I push the men within that is, like, wear the weight of influence upon your shoulders. Like, your spiritual health as men affects your families, and it also affects this church. If you're thinking it's going to be up to me and three other elders to make this church healthy, you're wrong. It takes all of us to be able to do that, and God has equipped us specifically as men to set the tone, and that's what I love about these first two blessings. It's like if we as men are fearing the Lord and we are doing the things he's called us to do, we are able to set the tone for the rest of our family, and it's not easy. It is difficult, but we carry the blessing because of the gospel, and we carry it into our families. Now, I believe this also plays into anything. If anyone who's working in, in, in a, a working environment, anyone who's a part of the home, yes, we're all carrying the, the blessing within this, but, not, but the men are put right at the front. And I love that. And then you'll see in verse four um, of Psalm 120, it says, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Men, we set the tone. And so that's my question to you. Where are you at in your fear of the Lord? All right, do you have a good working relationship with God? Or maybe are you spiritually out of shape? And if it is, you know what the beautiful part is? Is God calls you to repent, to get back into it, to lead the charge, to carry the blessing. And then we see that it moves to the wife within a household. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And I love this in in multiple different ways. One, that line within your house it talks like, about the inner recesses of the house. It's like the heartbeat of the home and what that looks like. And again, I think this plays well into the church and what that looks like. We've been given roles as men, as women, for the health of the church as well as the health of, the health of our physical homes. But it's, again, not just up to one person. We operate as a family together. Meaning if you don't have physical kids, well, guess what? we got a ton of kids here. You probably heard them Praising Jesus in the first part of our gathering. Like we own the discipleship of our kids together. And what we see within this, much like we looked in Psalm 127, is there's this discipleship aspect to it, that there's multiple generations of people being discipled. And I want to encourage you as women, God has crafted you, made you unique in your role, both within your physical home and your your family unit, but also within the church. You moms do a tremendous work. You ladies do a tremendous work and we don't always appreciate it all the time. We would not be the church that we are today without the women of our church. So thank you. And my encouragement is keep going. Keep carrying the blessing. And then we see it address kids. It says, behold, Uh, it says your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And the imagery that's coming out of this, um, you can actually see it um, kind of in this picture right here. Um, If you could imagine at the base of the tree, like basically little tree stems popping out, out of the roots, that's what an olive tree does. And it's this imagery of like kids are going to be uh, the ones who will be carrying the blessing next. While you're pouring into them, leveraging your life for them. um, It's what's going to carry the gospel forward into this world. And if you're looking at the world and you're like, man, it's broken, it's messed up, you're right. That's why we need to train and disciple our kids together as a church family, right? So here's the thing I want to encourage you in. If, if you are a parent or if you've been involved in discipleship, you probably run into this scenario where you have poured out your life in multiple ways and your kids turn around and like smack you in the face, metaphorically, or maybe physically, depends on, and Discipleship-wise, the same thing has happened. Something even recently for me is, has happened where it's like you pour into someone and all of a sudden it seems like they've gone a completely different direction. You're like, what was the point? What was the value of that? And you may sometimes wonder that with your kids. Like, what was the value of pouring in that effort? Sometimes we don't always see the immediate fruit. God's called us into relational Farming. And it's not something done overnight. It takes years, decades. In fact, you may not even see the fruit within your lifetime. We were just, I was just meeting up with GC leaders this morning. We were talking about how, like, you know what? It may be five years later before the words of truth you spoke into someone's life, the Spirit actually opens up their heart and uses it. And you may never hear about it. And that's what I love about this psalm. It's trusting that you are blessed that you have a blessing to carry and that when you carry that blessing into other people's lives, it will make a difference. It will grow the household of God. It will make a difference and you might not realize that until you're on the other side. When you're past this life and you're in heaven and you see the fruit of those relationships staring you back in the face, we have to have faith in that as we continue on, both for our physical kids as well as our spiritual kids as we move through discipleship. So the question I wanna ask you is, what would it look like if you lived this life believing that you are called to carry a blessing? Called to carry a blessing to your family. Not just your physical family, but also your spiritual family. And I wanna encourage you, if you're a kid in here below the age of 18, you carry a blessing. You carry a blessing. When your parents are speaking to you and wanting you to do something, and guess what? Sometimes we're wrong as parents, we mess up, sometimes we say the wrong things. sometimes we're angry when we shouldn't be, <laughs> you can carry the blessing to us by showing us what it looks like to follow Jesus. Those are some of the most powerful moments. And guess what? If you're in high school, you're beginning to feel what it's like to wear the weight of this world. You wear the weight of what people think about you. You wear the weight of disagreement and friendships that have broken apart, and it hurts and it tears you apart, you're beginning to experience that. Know that in Jesus, he will give you a blessing that will allow you to walk through that. So how would it change if you lived life believing that you are blessed, that God's given you a blessing to carry? How would that change how you view your job? How would it change how you view your family Family How would it change how you view your friends? How would it change how you view this church? How would it change how you view this city? So what does that look like practically? It means that we begin seeing our kids not as burdens but sees them as place to carry our blessings to. We see the church not as an obligation but a place that we can carry the blessing to when we go into work we don 't see it as just a fruitless thing with a, with a horrible boss, but it's an area we can carry the blessing to, the blessing of the gospel. And for you kids, it means that you see your parents not as tyrants, but as people to carry the blessing to, because we need it. What would it look like? We need to develop this culture of carrying and passing on the blessing. It's this heart change. It's a perspective change, and it will transform our church. It will transform our families, the world will be transformed. So the last part, last two verses, we look at not only how we carry the blessing, but how we extend the blessing. Verse five says, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Note that there's a repetition going on here. Talks about the source of the blessing coming out of Zion. As we've said many times, Zion is this representation of the city of Jerusalem, but specifically that it was the place of worship, the place where God's presence dwells. And it goes right back to the first verse where it talks about a right relationship, being grounded in the fear of the Lord and walking in his ways. And so, likewise, where does that blessing originate? Where does it start? It starts with the Lord. It starts, in this case, with those followers of God in Jerusalem. It starts out of the presence, out of the temple. This also is the big theme of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The blessing comes our way. And then what do we see Jesus commanding his disciples? It's like, go. Go and make disciples. Go and carry that blessing into Jerusalem, into Judea, into the ends of the earth. Read that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and, and, and see the mission that God Gives his disciples. And what are we doing when we do that? When we carry the blessing of the gospel, we are calling people to exchange the burdens that they carry, the burdens of the world, to exchange it for the blessing of the gospel. Just like we exchanged our burdens, so we go and encourage others. The other thing that happens in this section is it changes from a statement of a promise to an action that we do. If you've ever heard of benedictions, It's a formal part of the church service. It's usually at the very end um, where the the preacher, the pastor, prays over the people in a blessing form. But I believe this extends to all of us, that in many ways we live our lives giving benedictions to one another. You see, first of all, it starts with the blessing of the church. Think about it with me. Where's the first place of blessing? That comes. The Lord bless you from Zion, and then it says, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. What's Jerusalem? It's the center of worship. this This is significant when you read John chapter 4, 23 through 24, where Jesus is talking to a woman who is far from God. And he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So when this psalm was written, they were focused on the prosperity of Jerusalem as the center of worship. Well, we today are looking for and praying for the prosperity of the church what that looks like and i'm not talking about a monetary prosperity i'm talking about a kingdom prosperity of seeing more people coming to know jesus of people's hearts being transformed and influenced by a relationship with jesus that is the prosperity of the church and we're in a time right now where the church is being viewed in a lot of false and untrue ways and we need to reclaim that here and live out the way that God has called us to as the church. as a place where God's people gather together to worship him. The church is described as the bride of Christ, something precious. And we are called to care for and nurture that truth together. Everyone plays a part. Everyone has a job in this family as the church. So here's something I want to encourage you. Stop using phrases that disassociate yourself from the church family. It is so easy sometimes when we are engaged with family and bad things happen that, that we'll say things like, yeah, you, you guys can go and do that or, or you choose to gather that. No, own the family, even in your language. This is our family. This is not just my family. This is not just your family. It is our family together, so let's claim it together. As much as the Israelites would claim an identity with their tribe as much as they would claim an identity with the Israel nation. So we claim our identity as a family of God. John Calvin put it this way. He was this old guy who lived during the time of Martin Luther, if you don't know his time. Awesome dude. He says this, What is added concerning the good of Jerusalem is to be regarded as enjoining upon the godly, the duty not only of seeking their own individual welfare or of being devoted to their own peculiar interests, but rather of having it as their chief desire to see the church of God in a flourishing condition. So we bless the church. We pray for that blessing to come. We engage together as a family. And this is what's so beautiful when we see this being used even in the Old Testament, is there was a promise given to Abraham that his descendants would be like the sand of the seashores, that they'd be more numerous than the stars. And in Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 through 40, it says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And what this is looking at is how What began in the Old Testament still continues to when Jesus came down, died on the cross, rose again, and continues on beyond that. When we look at this phrase where it says, may you see your children's children, there's this desire of like, first of all, physical aspect. I mean, think about it. If you're grandparents, you know the joy of what it's like to see like the investment you put into your kids. And now you got your grandkids that you get to put on your knee that you get to enjoy again and relish in. And the blessing here is that we see that within the church, multiple generations where we see discipleship carrying on. It's so fun when you just stop to think about it. Even right now, um, the guy who planned this church, Caleb Richardson, many, some of you were deeply influenced by him through discipleship or maybe through Lauren or through one of the other elders here at, at the church. And then it's so sweet when you see someone catch the vision and then begin seeing multiple generations followers of Jesus, like a tree, like an olive tree with the plants just growing out. It turns into this garden. And sometimes we don't get that. Sometimes we don't get to see that. But we have faith that that's what God was doing. And even now, we see that Abraham, his spiritual family includes us. That promise, we can see the fruit of now. That indeed, when God said, yeah, it's going to be more than the number, the grains of sand or the stars in the sky that it wasn't just the nation of Israel. It would be every follower of Jesus Christ, true followers of Yahweh, true followers of God. The, reason I get, the, reason, the thing we can take away from this, don't give up on making disciples. And maybe you've gotten jaded from that. I have. I've been there, where I've gotten discouraged. Maybe you need to start the process again and be asking God, who do I need to make disciples of, or who do I need to be discipled by? We carry the blessing as the church. We carry it together. And then we see it continue in the last line, peace be upon Israel. One thing about the Bible that I love, even in the Old Testament, is that the nation of Israel was sent to be a blessing. That their blessing in being followers of God were meant to extend to other nations. And don't we see the same thing with Jesus and how he calls us to reach the ends of the earth. You know, I love it. One of our um, One of the people within our church, I'm not going to use his name directly because we record this, but he's going to be leaving soon overseas into East Asia and uh, for a couple of weeks be out there spreading the gospel. And that's just a little little church in Fairbanks, Alaska gets to send out one of their own to go make an impact thousands of miles away for the sake of the gospel. How beautiful that is. And so this is a call to mission. We are called to move. We're not just called to, like, hold on to this blessing and just hold it within us or in our little church group. We've always been called to keep moving, keep moving out, to carry that blessing like a seed of the gospel, sowing it into the dark places of this earth to see lives be transformed. So you might be at the end of this. I love those of you who are, are a little more practical. You're wondering, all right, cool, carry the blessing. How the heck do I do that? It starts again where it began. It's looking at your relationship with God and and understanding, well, first of all, how do I grow myself in my relationship with God? So that blessing is just constantly there. It comes with that relationship with him. And that's why at our last men's event, we talked about the spiritual disciplines. Because I used to look at those as like these legalistic things that you slap gold stars onto and prove yourself to be a better Christian. But now I've come to realize there are avenues, avenues for the truth and the blessing of the gospel to come into your life through the regular reading of the word, through prayer, through meditation, through solitude, through fasting. These aren't just like dumb things to do. They're actually ways that we understand the impact of the gospel in our life. And the more we understand God... And Jesus and what he did for us through his life here on earth, through the death on the cross and the resurrection, we're able to take those good things and pass them on to others. Think about it this way. He loved us when we didn't deserve it, so we do the same to others. He forgave us, so we forgive others. He carried our burdens, so we can carry the burdens of others. He got a way to spend time with his father, so we refuel ourselves relationship with him he came into our neighborhood of the world to bring us salvation so we reach out to our neighbors he prayed deeply over us so we pray deeply over each other and the list could keep going on the more you realize the depth of the gospel and the blessing he's given you you just turn around and you do it to other people around you the world doesn't need to crush you instead you get to change the world by the blessing you carry so this is what I want to encourage you to do this week. Get 30 minutes this week. Start, get, get some time alone, wherever that's possible. And if it's not 30 minutes, make it 10 minutes. Start off with a little bit of silence. Just sit there in silence before God. Then read this psalm, Psalm 128, and ask a few questions. How have I been blessed in Jesus because of what he did on the cross and his bodily resurrection? And go deep with this. Sometimes we say things like, he forgave my sins, but we're we're not even really saying anything by that because we're not going into, well, how did it change my heart? How has your life changed by knowing Jesus? And then ask, how can I carry the blessing of my relationship with Jesus to my family, maybe my physical family, or my church family this week or this month? How does God want me to do that? And who outside of the church do I need to carry this blessing to? I I like the encouragement um, from a pastor I was listening to this week. And he's like, you know what? One way to start with evangelism and mission, just get a meal with one person who's far from God this month. Just, Just one person who's far from God. Just have a meal with them and start there. And this is where we want to close. We're called to carry the blessing. But we always remember every single week through communion that Jesus carried the blessing to us. We got communion set up on these tables. And we take it every week because it is vital. It is a regular discipline that we do. Why? To remember what Jesus has done. To remember that he carried the blessing to us through his broken body, which is represented through the cracker. Through his blood that was shed that's represented through the juice. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I encourage you, take of this. And take a a few minutes to to get connected with your father. To come before him and, and look at your heart. Where am I at right now? You know, maybe you've been living life kind of viewing it like, man, I just feel, if I'm honest, I feel cursed. I feel like nothing good's going on. And you need to step up in faith and be like, God, this is the condition of my heart. Would you please show me that in you, I I am blessed. And guess what, some ways the way God blesses us is he reveals the real condition of our heart and the things that we need to change. And that's difficult, that's hard, but some of the times that I have been most blessed is when I've changed and submitted my life to the ways of Jesus. So, Bring whatever's on your heart like we started with. Pour your heart out before him. I just want to end on this quote. It's from John Wesley. He says, Oh, trust in the Lord for happiness as well as for help. All the springs of happiness are in him. Trust in him who giveth us all things richly to enjoy, who of his own rich and free mercy holds them out to us as in his own hand that receiving them as gifts And as pledges of his love, we may enjoy all that we possess. Let's pray. God in heaven, you have blessed us richly. and, And God, I confess that there are times when I don't see my life as blessed. Where I get weighed down by the weight of this world. And it's almost like I try carrying that weight again instead of carrying the weight of your blessing upon my life. Jesus, would we walk confidently as blessed people in our relationship with you? God, would we carry the blessing this week into our households, into our church family, into this city, into the world? Would we carry the blessing? Jesus, thank you that we work in relationship with you to see your good news go forth. We pray all these things in you, Jesus. Amen.